guys, what's going on, man? It's your boy, Ja White, and welcome to Our Own Huddle. Start things off, I'm going to guess you can already notice Mike isn't here. Uh, he'll still be with us on the show. Uh, you know, he's got a good opportunity to go take somewhere else, so he's going to make big things there happen. So, you know, he'll still be here on the show, get started, you know, maybe call-ins, but nothing as far as what the show is going to change. Episodes will still be posted on Wednesday. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and start it off with college football, man. It was a great weekend for college football. I think there were some great games. And the first one I want to go into detail about is Ohio State versus Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame, you know, they played very great, I think, in the first half. But I don't think I knew they couldn't prolong for long with Ohio State. But Ohio State really didn't play like a number two team, in my opinion. Um, I think that a lot of people were disappointed in what they saw with Ohio State. I mean, they played okay, you know, with C.J. Stroud. He was 24 out of 34, 223 passing yards, two touchdowns. And uh, Notre Dame's quarterback, I think it's uh, Tyler, yeah, Tyler Buckner, 10 out of 18, 177 yards. Uh, but no passing touchdown or rushing. Um, Ohio State, to me, I think, now I was impressed with their defense. Their defense was very solid. Um, and in my opinion, I think out of the last couple of years, you know, I always thought Notre Dame was overrated. But I think this is the first time that I really felt like Notre Dame played like a top five team. They really have bought into that coach, Freeman. I think he's going to really help that program build. You know, I had my doubts about him, but I think this guy can really push Notre Dame more than Brian Kelly uh, could have. So with that, you know, I think with Ohio State, on back on their topic, you know, I think they have to figure out what went wrong in their offense because it wasn't high exploding like we thought. You know, I thought it was going to be more of a 300-yard game for C.J. Stroud, but, you know, he, he I think he did. He could have played better. Um, the Henderson running back, I don't think he was – I guess they didn't run the ball as much because it's, it's going to be a C.J. Stroud year for Ohio State. You know, I don't think it's going to be, you know, going here and there with different players of Ohio State, I think they're going to figure out how to really have C.J. Stroud his breakout year because this is draft year for C.J. Stroud, right? So I think with that, you know, he has to really put a lot on his shoulders for this year's team because I see that's the only way I see them getting to the national championship. Now, with they win it, we got a long way to still go in college football. But I think, you know, it's going to depend on a lot of C.J. Stroud. So I think from here on out, you know, no matter who they're playing, I think C.J. Stroud will have at least over 300 yards a game. Now, first down-wise, Ohio State had 22 first downs, Notre Dame had 12. And that right there could tell you a lot that you got to have more than that to beat Ohio State for Notre Dame. You know, 12 first downs, that's not going to do it. On a third down efficiencies, uh, Ohio State was 7 out of 13. Notre Dame was three out of 13. Not going to do it. You've got to convert. You, you have got to have more third downs than first downs or conversions. You know, you, third downs, 
those are the money downs. You got to convert on those. And Notre Dame, that just is that just isn't going to do it. Uh, no turnovers for each team. Uh, time of possession for Ohio State was 32 minutes and 59 seconds. Time of possession for Notre Dame was 27 minutes. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, the quarterback for me, I was not impressed with. I don't, I don't, he's not bad. I don't think he's going to be the guy going forth in the season. You know, I, I expect maybe like three, four games out of him. And if he doesn't produce as he, you know, this season goes on, I don't think he's the starting quarterback for Notre Dame. So, yeah, that's Ohio State and Notre Dame, though, and those are just my quick thoughts about them. I wanted to start with them first because I didn't think that game was in, as impressive or as a lot of people thought it was going to be. I know a lot of people had uh, Notre Dame as supposed to be maybe an upset or they were supposed to get beat down bad. Uh, but I think Notre Dame came up, showed up, but after a while, it just kind of broke for them, and Ohio State ran away with it. So that's your final score for Ohio State and Notre Dame was 21-10. Ohio State takes the W. Now sliding into Clemson and Georgia Tech from last night, that was a good game until probably the fourth quarter. I think Georgia Tech back finally broke, especially after I think uh Charlie Thomas, the middle linebacker for Georgia Tech, was uh thrown out pretty much for targeting, which I didn't agree with the call. I don't think it was targeting. I don't think it was full on helmet to helmet. Cause it seemed like when I watched the replay, his helmet kind of just scraped the side of him more. It didn't seem like he was initially, but they're they're going one thing I could tell off this weekend from some of the targeting calls that were made, they're going hard on it this year. I mean if that player looks like he's straight on forcing leading on the crown of his helmet like lsu and fsu now that was fucking target now we'll get into that later on on the next segment but that was definitely target but now last night with georgia tech and clemson i that was i didn't think that was targeting um i really feel like once he was out that's when georgia tech's defense broke because georgia tech defense all hats off to them they played great i think you know now offensive wise they were just they really couldn't get nothing going. I mean, first play off the bat, they came out the Woodgates and uh, uh, Sims throws a damn interception. They, they, now I like the call going deep. You're trying to send a message strike, but damn, like that ball's got to be better than that. You know, you got to, if you're going to hit like that, you got to hit it. You can't make no mistake about it. So that, I like the call, but I didn't like the decision of the quarterback on that play. So, but going back on the let's let's well excuse me let's start with Clemson right Clemson and the biggest thing on Clemson's offense right is the quarterback and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name I always struggle to say it so I'm just going to call him DJU DJU looked at the same as he did last year right um for at least the season opener he looked at maybe even worse because this season you expect from the mistakes of last season to be gone but from what I saw last night it was the same DJU. Nothing was different. I mean, when they were going in to score, he tripped and nobody touched him from Georgia Tech's defense. He slipped. Nobody was in the way and he slipped. Okay. The guy, he has lost 30 pounds this season. He was like 6'4, 265 pounds last season, right? 
and he dropped down 30 pounds. Now he's like 235, 6'4", 235 with a 5% body fat. Uh, and he slips and falls, right? Okay. Then, like, on one of the first series, when I think uh, Georgia Tech decides, um, excuse me, Clemson decides to, maybe it was a third and one, matter of fact, and they do a quarterback keeper, his big ass can't get the first down. You know, he should be trucking. Like, he should be, you know, he's got that Cam Newton built, maybe even bigger. Because, you know, he, obviously he's Samoan, you know, and Samoans are just naturally big and naturally strong. And, you know, so he's just one big guy. And he just looked at it the same. He really did. He was rattled. I mean, he was getting sacked. I mean, you know, I don't know if Georgia Tech defense was that. I didn't, you know, I think Georgia Tech's defense was pretty good. But I don't think, you know, they shouldn't have had the pass rush they should have had on DJU because it's not like Clemson's O-line was bad. They were giving him time, but there were times where it's just like, I don't know if he couldn't, were they that covered that well to where he couldn't find anything? And even if you couldn't find anything, dude, you are 6'4", 235. You should just go ahead and take off and run and just have that decision that I am Tebow 2.0, Cam 2.0, nobody can stop me, right? Um, But no, DJU looked at terrible. Like, granted now his stats looked at Okay, I mean, he was 19 out of 32. Um, matter of fact, that's I don't know what to really consider that. I don't really consider it good. Matter of fact, he had 209 passing yards, one touchdown, and rushing wise, 13 carries, 20 yards. Uh, DJU was the biggest story to me last night, right? Because Clemson really didn't break away from Georgia Tech till like the fourth quarter, right? That's when it became the massacre. Well, not a massacre, that was someone else this weekend, and we'll get into that later, too. Uh, that's when it became the blowout, pretty much. So, no, but Clemson did not – I was not impressed. Um, Later at the end of the show, I'll talk about the rankings of what I think of where they'll be, uh, Jaws top 10. Um, But Clemson was not – I was not impressed at all. Uh, No one really made a name at receiver. You know, I didn't really see any big name. I mean, now Will Shipley, the running back, he looked pretty solid and good, even though, you know – we already knew what he could do, right? We saw him last season. He was really all he had on offense because DJU wasn't it. And just and it just seems to me that, you know, how long, if this DJU is still the same DJU from last season, how long does Dabo stay with him, right? So that's going to be the storyline, I think, for Clemson. Maybe Georgia Tech was just that dialed in, you know, because I think last season maybe the – I know it was a low-scoring game. It was pretty tight last year. I can't remember the exact score. So Georgia Tech played them tough last year, so. Georgia Tech played them tough again this year, right? It's season open. You got to. So, but granted, now going to sliding on the Georgia Tech side, you know, uh, what killed Georgia Tech was penalties, right? I mean, they were like, I can't remember exactly how many false starts they had. Let's see. Yeah. Georgia Tech had 10 penalties. Yeah. 10 penalties, right? 10. You cannot win and be a number four team with 10 penalties. And half of them were like false starts. Uh, some of them, and then like the other the two, maybe just so probably eight were false starts, and the two were targeting because I think there were two players, yeah, for Georgia Tech that got thrown out last night for targeting. So with Georgia Tech, you know, that's what killed them because they had some spurts on offense where they were going down the field, looking to score and trying to make things happen. So Georgia Tech, you know, they played where I thought they could. Um, that block punt is what turned it around early in the first quarter. I knew. From either team, that's what it was going to take for someone to break loose. It was either going to have to be like someone returns a kick for about a good 60 yards or 
you know, 30 yards or a block punt, which is what happened for Clemson, and that's what got them rolling on offense, you know. So with Georgia Tech, now I didn't agree with some of the coach decision-making. Uh, that field goal, granted, the kicker made it, uh, but the first time he didn't, I would have went for it. You got to – man, this season opener, man. You know, you're unranked. You're playing a number four team. You got to make decisions that's going to get you going or that's going to send a message that you are trying to win. So I didn't agree with the coach's decision-making for Georgia Tech. Can't quite remember his name. But, you know, the quarterback, Sims, he played great, though. You know, the guy, he's a lot bigger than I I didn't realize, you know, uh, Sims. Uh, he was 23 out of 36, 164 yards, one touchdown. We know the one interception he threw, which was in the first quarter. But he was also their leading rusher with 13 carries and 42 yards. And, you know, to me, unless your quarterback is like a superstar elite, like, quote-unquote, Mr. Anthony Richardson, which we'll get into later, uh, you know, he shouldn't always be your lead rusher. But then again, you know, when I guess Sims is really probably their best player on offense, maybe he does have to be their leading rusher. So that's my thoughts on Georgia taking Clemson. Uh, Clemson wins it 41-10. to 10. Okay, so now that, you know, college football is pretty much back, right? got actual games and different scores you know so one thing i'm going to be bringing to the show now is i'm going to be th bringing three things each week from either nfl or college and you know morally this segment of it will be more in college and that is going to be upset of the week i'm going to have an upset of the week i'm going to have a game of the week and my favorite one i'm going to call ass whooping of the week right so to start it off we're going to do upset of the week and that upset of the week is Florida takes down number seven, Utah. And man, oh, man, that man, Anthony Richardson, is a bad dude, man. I got to give it to him. You know, last season, watching them play Georgia, you know, and then, you know, Dan Mullen running a two-quarterback system, you know, I thought <laughs> I didn't get to really see a lot of Anthony Richardson, but this time I saw you, brother. I saw you. And, man, he showed it out, man. I mean, he was their leading rusher and leading passer. Florida got them a quarterback this time. They found that they, they, well, you know, they never really had a quarterback problem because I don't think Emory Jones was bad, but Anthony Richardson is just better. And he showed why. And they just really, really didn't have an answer for him. Utah did it. Now, granted, I'm going to start off small with Florida, right? I'm going to go ahead and just jump on the defensive side. Now, granted, I don't think Florida's defense is elite. Now, I think it's a defense. And I'm going to go ahead and say this for Georgia real quick, and I'm not going to talk a lot about Georgia because I'm going to have a whole segment for them. But I think Florida and Georgia's defense are kind of neck and neck to where, and what I mean by that is to where they can evolve as the season goes on, that they will get better because their offenses have some kind of answer. Now, moving on to that, I think Florida's offense, though, only has Anthony Richardson, right? The offense doesn't work or click if he doesn't click. And that's what I mean by that. I don't, you know, if he goes down, that's it, right? I don't even know who Florida's backup is. So, you know, and he's a big guy, but I don't think he's going down anytime soon. I mean, he's almost got that Cam Newton built just like DJU, you know. Uh, but he's, you know, he's built, man, and he, and he just showed it. You know, his stats were absolutely tremendous, you know, 17 out of 24. Uh, that only seven incompletions, 168 yards, no passing touchdown or interception, though. But he was also their lead in rushing in 11 carries, 106 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Anthony Richardson is a bad dude. 
Now, it, I think obviously he's going to be a Heisman candidate. Um, now, granted, I think he st- go ahead and stays another year because his his playing time was limited. He might come out. It depends how stellar of a season he is, right? Because I think he is already draft eligible because he did play some last season and we got to see a little bit of him. Um, but like I was saying though, you know, I don't think his the offense clicks if he isn't clicking. So because and and I don't think I saw enough of Florida's offense. Like I didn't see any other breakout names what I'm getting to this whole point of what I'm saying of clicking. Uh I didn't see any other big time receiver. Running backs look pretty good. Uh number two, I can't exactly remember his name for Florida, but he was toting it pretty well. Uh but Florida played great. Um defense could use some tweaking. But, man, he's going to be a problem for the SEC. That is pretty much the story for Florida, right? Anthony Richardson in Florida, you know, congrats. You know, I think you actually cracked top 10. And now towards the end of the episode, I'll think where I have them ranked at for the top 10. Um, I think they finally cracked that this week. So we'll, that remains to be seen. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much the – there's not a lot to say about Florida than other Anthony Richardson because he stole the show. Um, it was very humid in the swamp. I think that was one of the factors for Utah now sliding onto their side of the ball. Um, they just could not handle the humidity of the swamp. It was You could just tell Utah was not used to this. There were guys puking. I seen a guy, he puked on the field, ran his ass straight to the sideline. The coach like, yeah, I'm good. No, no I'm not good. He ended up puking even more. Uh, <laughs> so Utah uh, was just not ready for that. Now, granted, their quarterback, Cameron Rising, he played good. I was impressed by Utah, right? Last episode, I said I'd never seen Utah play. Uh, I never knew what they were really capable of, so I was very shocked that they were ranked number seven. They showed me why they were ranked number seven. They played an SEC team like it was nothing. So Utah, you know, they they got it, you know. Uh, he was 22 out of 32 for Cameron Rising, 206 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, that one interception being – the one he threw for the game for Florida. Uh, now, the running back, Tavion Thomas, 23 carries, 115 yards. He was towed in one touchdown. Um, Utah played everything they could for Florida, but Anthony Richardson, like I said, stole the show, and he was the face for that whole game. He is the face for the Gators this season. Uh, he is going to be a full-on problem for the SEC to handle. Um, and the scarier part is he is only going to probably get better for his season. And, you know, this is looks very great for Billy Napier, the new head coach for Florida. Um, you know, this is a message. You know, like I said, I still don't agree with Dan Mullen being fired. You know, I think he just ran into almost a similar situation with like how Kirby Smart did with quarterback of who to play and who to start. He was trying to stay loyal to Emory Jones, even though, granted, he knowed that. Anthony Richardson was slightly better, right? Then it was kind of the same thing with loyalty with Kirby Smart between Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. And so I think and you, with, you know, a lot of people want an AR-15, and he's kind of still stood with Emory Jones, and I think that's what kind of somewhat sealed his fate. But also the defensive coordinator sealed his fate as well. Todd Grantham was just absolutely terrible. Florida's defense was just absolutely terrible. I mean, that Missouri game was just absolutely terrible for Florida. So that was really that I think that sealed Dan Mullen fate. But Dan's good. He's up there in the up there in the booth analyzing games now. So Dan's got a job, though. So everybody's happy, right? So that's good for Dan Mullen. And Billy Napier, this was a great win for him, you know, to start off the season. A lot of people were like, 
this guy's not ready for it coming over from Louisville. But he, he made some good coaching decisions. I got to give it to him. He didn't do any bonehead call. He, he stuck to this game plan, and, they, and Florida stuck it out and won. And now that's a great win for Florida. I think that gets them rolling. I think this is going to be an absolute better season for Florida. So that's great. Uh, Utah, I think they kind of slightly fall out of the top 10, maybe. I'm going to get into that, into my top 10 towards the end once again. So that's Florida and Utah, man. Florida wins it 29 to 26. Now, sliding in the game of the week. Now, I had a tough time deciding this game of the week, but I felt like the one I decided was better suited because they were the two big teams. And for the game of the week, I decided was FSU and LSU. Now, before I get into them, though, I'm going to put the honorable mention that I have for game of the week now, but they're not game of the week, but it's an honorable mention, and that's North Carolina versus Appalachian State, right? Uh, that game was just absolutely ridiculous. I hope North Carolina has fired their defensive coordinator, and I hope the other team has fired their defensive coordinator. Like, that game was just absolutely had me befuddled. It just was absolutely ridiculous. Um, no defense whatsoever, and I'm kind of upset about it because every year going into the ACC, right, ever since Mac Brown took the head coaching job at North Carolina, I've kind of always wanted to give the slight edge, especially with Clemson look like they're taking a slight decline. I wanted to give the edge of North Carolina a chance to win the ACC, but after seeing that game, they're not winning the ACC. Hell, FSU has a way better chance now to win the ACC than damn them. I mean, it's that defense was absolutely ridiculous. North Carolina secondary is just god terrible. It just is. And you know, with how do I put this? You know, it's hard for me to say this, right? I know a lot of people are going to disagree, but the guy that recovered the onside kick for North Carolina has got to be the biggest idiot on the planet right now, right? You get it. I get it, right? You're in the game. You're not thinking that, right? But you, if you go back in that moment of when they're receiving that onside kick, you can see the sideline for North Carolina telling him to get his ass down. If he gets his ass down, they win that game. Uh, what was the score around that time? Maybe like 56 to 55? Yeah, that sounds right because uh, uh, App State, they uh, – Missed the field goal. All he has to do is get down, and they win the game. You kill the clock. I mean, I think App State has probably like three timeouts left, maybe. But, I mean, God, that game was just absolutely ridiculous. Every time I thought I was scoring the touchdowns, every time I flipped back to the channel to see what it was, someone had scored a touchdown. I'm like, damn, do I have a magic remote that's secretly causing this team to score touchdowns? Because it was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, So, no. Boy, was I wrong. North Carolina is not going to win the ACC at all because that defense is terrible. Unless they just that def, unless this game really buffs them up, that is not happening whatsoever. That defense is not winning the ACC. You got to have some kind. You don't have a got to have a shutdown defense, but you got to have some kind of defense, and that's not going to do it. So the final score for that one, real quick, for the honorable mention was North Carolina and App State. North Carolina wins it sixty-three to sixty-one. But going in to the game of the week, man, 
Shout out to the FSU fans out there. I owe you in a quick apology. I was going to make fun of y'all this week. Uh, I know I talked about y'all last week, but FSU, man, goes down there and beats LSU, man. And I know Tallahassee had a party Sunday. God, man, that was a great win for FSU. That was one that was really needed for Mike Norvell. Um, so shout out to Jordan Travis. Uh, LSU played their tails off, but they've got a lot of special teams to work. Special teams was obviously the Achilles heel for LSU, right? Uh, Brian Kelly just looked it so sick into his stomach. He had a stone cold face when that field goal was blocked. Uh, you know, FSU, they stuck to their game plan. Uh, the only thing I did not understand about FSU was once the the guy for LSU, right, he, he muffed the punt, right? You pick it up and recover it. All you got to do is run the ball. All you got to do is a slight hand off the inside. Instead, for some reason, you do a toss pitch and you fumble the goddamn ball, right? Why don't you just do a simple handoff and go into the end zone? That's logic one-on-one. That's what you call overcoaching people. That's overcoaching. You just do a simple handoff and go in. There's no toss because something like that can happen. Something like that, right? Um, In my opinion, if I was the coach, we're in field goal range. Honestly, I'm taking a couple quarterback kneels. A couple quarterback kneels, kick a field goal on fourth and goal. I trust my kicker. We're up 27 to 17. Doesn't matter even if they go down there and score because they still have to go. It's a two-possession lead. So that was really mind-blowing to me to make that play call and LSU gets the ball back. Um, I like what I saw from LSU quarterback in that minute drive. Uh, what was it? Uh, Jaden Daniels, I believe is his name. Yeah, uh, 26 out of 35, 209 passing yards, two touchdowns. He was also their leading rusher with 16 carries and 114 rushing yards. So I like what I saw from LSU. And Jordan Travis, he played great. I'm going to say he played great because when he took that absolute kill shot from number 11 on LSU, I thought he was done. That is what you call targeting people. If you want to know the full definition of targeting, just go type in Jordan Travis hit LSU. That is the complete definition of targeting. It is amazing he is alive and he doesn't have a concussion from that hit. And shout out to the completion that he made on that play for the touchdown. Because that shit was complete targeting. Uh, Jordan was 23, excuse me, 20 out of 32, 260 passing yards, two touchdowns, right? Um, he played great, you know. He, uh, you know, he's not the biggest quarterback. He's 5'11". He's about the same size as Stetson Bennett. Uh, and he played great. So that was a big win for Mike Norvell. You know, FSU's defense played tremendous. Um, the special teams played even greater to block two field goals and the clutch when they blocked at the last second, right? Nothing can go wrong, right, for LSU. Stand out. They blocked another field goal. So LSU's obviously got some good uh, special teams to figure out. Um, Brian Kelly, uh, I think he is the coach. I've never had nothing against Brian Kelly. I've never been impressed with Brian Kelly, but I don't think he's a bad coach. Um, but, yeah, he's just got a long ways to go. So, you know, he's going to learn something about that SEC. This ain't that damn division with Notre Dame. You know, this is the SEC, the best conference in all of college football. So he's got a lot to learn still. So, you know, that was, that was a message to him for a wake-up call because you just got beat by an ACC team, brother, that has been on the decline for the last three years. But that is a big win for FSU. 
I think that slightly puts their recruiting just a little bit back on the map. Um, and I hope I hope F- this turns out to be another good season for FSU. You know, excuse me, not another good season, but a good season for FSU, a better season. So that was a good win for them. Uh, that's my game of the week. So that's twenty four to twenty three. FSU takes the win. So now we're kind of almost entering the end of my episode. But before we go, you know, we got to start and finish off with the ass whooping of the week. And the ass whooping of the week, Georgia takes down Oregon 49 to 3. Number three, Georgia beats number 11, Oregon 49 to 3. Man, was that a massacre, man. There was a murder in Atlanta, people. There was a murder in Atlanta. Man, Georgia, like I said last episode, man, I told y'all, they're going to have to make a statement. They were ranked number three. They came in, the defending champs ranked number three. They went and sent a message, people. They went and sent a message. They took the back spine off of Oregon. Now, I'm going to go ahead and start with Oregon before I can get into Georgia, right? Oregon was just not on the level. Um, Pac-12, I just do not think can compete with the SEC teams. You know, uh, two, three years ago, maybe now, I think we had USC versus Alabama. USC came up there, geeked up, thinking they finna, you know, they finna get after that ass. Alabama actually was the other way around. They gave them the ass, you know. So Oregon just was not ready, right? So they were just not on the level, the physicality of Georgia, uh, especially the defensive side, right? The defense, uh, this doesn't look good for Dan Lanning, the former defensive coordinator for Georgia. Um, I think this game will make Oregon tougher. Um, they can still win the Pac-12 now. They Now, Bo Nix, he can win in that league, uh, excuse me, in that conference, and uh, and he can, he can pretty much do something. But they're not – making no playoff people they're not making the playoff that's if anybody had hopes for Oregon making the playoff that's not happening Bo Nix now in those games is just terrible he is one of the most terrible quarterbacks I've ever seen he was 21 out of 37 173 yards no rushing touchdown no rushing he had a little bit of rushing yards uh two interceptions uh but no rushing touchdown um those two interceptions now the first one he kind of just threw up he thought he made that the guy but that freshman Malachi starts with Georgia is just a stud man he uh, out of Jefferson, Georgia, man, he can play anything. Receiver, DB, uh, he played it all at uh, up there at Jefferson. But now that second interception, I don't know what the hell Bo Nick saw. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't even know if the ball for that play was supposed to be thrown that way. I, from what I saw, I think that play was supposed to be some kind of ride receiver screen. But for some reason, I, I think. Nick thought he could fit it in a tight spot, like thread the needle. But Christopher Smith, the safety for Georgia, just read that play all the way, and it was an easy pickoff for him. If he had a little more block in the room, it would have been a pick six. Like, I don't know what Nick saw, and he just looked at just terrible. He looked like the same Knicks. You know, Mike on the last show was talking that, that he looked it better and he was good this season. Brother, I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. Uh, Nick looked at, like the same Knicks from Auburn. Uh, he's the reason why Gus Malzahn got fired. Um, Bo Nix is just terrible, and he's overrated. He was not the good quarterback for Auburn, and this shows why. And I think this question, like I said, for Dabo and DJU, 
how long, Dan Lanning, do you stick with Bo Nix? Because you have a stud in the backup in Ty Thompson. And Ty Thompson is supposed to be a great backup, excuse me, great quarterback from coming out of high school. He's ranked one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. So when do you start him or how long do you stick with Bo Nix? Because if you see what happened to Malzahn, if you see what happened to Buddy over there at Auburn that almost got fired, if Bo Nix didn't transfer, how long are you going to stick, Dan Lanning? How long are you going to stick? Because we don't know how good your defense is going to be. Because I don't know. Lincoln Riley in the USC, he's still there and he's coming. So that's with Oregon. You know, they just couldn't really match with Georgia to the physicality, I don't think. Now, going on to Georgia, man, they made their statement. They showed why they were the defending champs and they did it. And that offense was amazing. Like, I, I mean, they showed everything of what I said last on the episode of why of what they were going to do, how they were going to do, and who they are. That offense, unstoppable. That offense can be their best offense in college football this season. Stetson Bennett, 25 out of 31, 368 passing yards, two touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. People, Georgia is RBU, and their running back only had 50 rushing yards. Their lead running back only had 50 rushing yards. And they won 49-3. to If you were to tell me that, and I had never seen Georgia, I wouldn't believe you. But they beat them 49-3. to Georgia's passing game is becoming amazing. A.D. Mitchell, a weapon. Kenny McIntosh, a weapon. We know all about Brock Bowers, the true freshman tight end last season, a weapon. Darnell Washington, the 6'7", 267-pound tight end, a weapon, right? And the thing is, I don't think we've seen all of them, man. I don't think we really haven't. I don't even think Georgia has shown their best, man. You still got Kiaris Jackson back there, a speed and receiver. I mean, you got a whole bunch of weapons, man. That offense, man, Georgia, can they can do it. They can run the table again. Now, granted, one thing that was concerning about Georgia was on the defensive side, they didn't get, they didn't sack Bo Nix not one time, right? Uh, I don't, I, I feel like maybe that was a part of the game plan because they know Nick so well. I mean, hell, now he's 0-4 for playing Georgia. He's never beat Georgia ever. Um, so maybe they knew he would scramble a lot and they didn't send much as pressure. So maybe the biggest test game for Georgia's defense is going to be South Carolina, right? That's when we're really going to see what his defense is made up and how it's going to look this year. Um, so, you know, with Georgia's defense, though, I will give kudos to the secondary because there were times where Nick's had a good bit of time back there in the pocket and he couldn't find anyone open. He started scrambling. So that tells me that that secondary, that secondary played pretty much lights out. Those safeties, Malachi Starks, Dan Jackson, Christopher Smith, the safeties played great. DBs, Keely Ringo, the returning corner who won the game last season and capped it off with the pick six pretty much, uh, played great, right? Uh, you got Kamari Lannister, the new cornerback that I didn't see him get ate up or anything. Played great linebackers. Uh, they look good. You know, you got J- Jamon Dumas Johnson and uh, the new guy. I can't remember his name. Number two. They're big corners. I mean, excuse me, both big linebackers, uh, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, run about 4'5", flat. Uh, that's big and physical and fast. So, you know, the defense is going to be okay, I think. But long as that offense, I, I don't think you don't expect Georgia to score or settle for field goals in the first play. It's always going to be touchdown, I think, for this year for Georgia. Um, I think they, if they can really keep the scoring going this year, high scoring, then that defense will be okay. Because last year at Georgia, you know, 
when Georgia, if they went three and out, it was okay because they just had that great of a defense, right? This year, it's kind of, I think, vice versa. I think they really, the defense really going to have to depend on the offense to have them a good lead. That way, even if the team scores, they're still okay. But I think that defense is good enough for them to win it all again, and they can run the back-to-back. And Stetson Bennett, I mean, he was locked in, man. I mean, he was locked in. I think Stetson, call me crazy, he might put up some Heisman popping numbers, people. I mean, because he has the weapons, I mean, Stetson is accurate. I mean, I got to give it to the little guy. He's accurate. I mean, he gets the ball there. He has the weapons. If he can just follow the play calling, and this is what really Stetson did, you know, last season that really won him the job over JT is that you got to give it to him. Stetson's got wheels, man. I mean, there's times where you think you got him there in the pocket, but you don't. He got, he's got a great feel for pressure. He's got a good escape artist, man. So, I mean, I know you've seen that Houdini play. He threw the lad McConkey. So I think that Stetson, you know, he can really put up some Heisman numbers, man. Georgia can easily run the back. And with that, to cap it off before I go, I'm going to slide in the Jaws top 10 coming in this week. So number one, I got Georgia. I'm going to put Georgia number one. They, they took down the top 15 team. They slide in number one. Ohio State beats number five, Notre Dame, so I think they come to number two. Alabama drops down to three because they beat Utah. You see, I didn't even talk about them today. They beat them 55 to nothing. They're the only team that didn't play anybody, so Alabama moves to three. Now, Clemson, I think, stays at four. Now, this is where things get switched up at. Now, I think Texas A&M moves up from six and goes up to five. I think Florida cracks in the top ten at six. I know a lot of people are going to think, that I might be crazy there or don't agree, but I think Florida beating number seven Utah, that cracks you almost in the damn top five almost. So I think that cracks them in the six. I got Michigan at seven, Oklahoma at eight. Now, this is where I have it. I put a little slash here because I wasn't sure. Now, I think Baylor will be nine. And then I also have Utah at 10, but right behind there, that I feel like anybody could go in that nine or 10 spot that's going to be open is Penn State. So Penn State, I think, can crack that top 10 coming in this week. So that 9-10 spot, I'm not sure. But at 9, I have Baylor. And at 10, I have Utah. So that's my top 10 going into this week. And then that's going to cap it off for this episode. If you like the episode, man, make sure you hit that follow and notification bell, man, so you know when a new episode has been posted. And make sure you follow me at Instagram at our own huddle. Or and if you have any topics or questions you'd like me to discuss, just DM me there or just send us an email at ourownhuddle@gmail.com, man. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll see you guys next week.